Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with Aaron Holt, Functional Nutritionist. I work with clients on the seacoast of New Hampshire and virtually all over the world through both private consultations and online nutrition programs. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Mayorana, registered dietitian of Root Down Nutrition based in Asheville, North Carolina. We are both board-certified integrative and functional nutritionists. This means we dive deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, food, and nutrition, discussing our research, clinical experience, and life experience. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or medical treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Start. We're starting. Here we are. Wow, that was close. I was so close to break out um, Boys to Men, but I am really glad I didn't. Really which glad. which song were you going to do? Um, It was like the I'll be there with the love so strong. I'll be your friend. Is that a song? Is that Boys to Men? I don't think it is. What am I singing? What are you singing? Oh, can you uh, edit this? Can you edit this out? <laughs> I could. I'm not. I'm not going to. <laughs> If any listener knows what song Kyle was singing, please write in to where's where are they going to write into? Nobody knows. <laughs> speaking speaking of which, I have to just say I need to say this somewhere um, to like clear my conscience, but my, I'm falling desperately behind on my email. So if you have emailed me and you have not gotten a response. I'm so sorry. I am just like drowning in emails. I mean, it's definitely to the point where I have to do some type of intervention, mm. whether it's get a second email that's like info at Aaron Holt Health. Um, I don't yeah. know. But you that's, figure something out. But then like the thought of ha- managing two emails is like a lot. But anyway, emails are slipping through the cracks. So if I haven't responded to you, it's not because I don't care. It's just because I just... It's a one-man show. It's a one-man show, and client emails are always going to take precedent over everything else because, you know, that's the work that I do. And then you take a vacation, and it gets even worse. I know, because I put my vacation responder on up there. Yeah, as you should. Um, You keep telling me that I need to hire an assistant, and I keep saying, oh, my God, that sounds so scary. But maybe we're at that point. You're going to get flooded with emails now about people being like, can I be your assistant? I'm not there yet, guys. I'm too much of a control freak. That's like giving me stress hives right now as we speak. <laughs> um, all right. There was there was a couple of emails that did, that did not slip through the cracks. And I want to take a second to read one that I got um, recently. Um, she writes in, I just realized how much you've influenced the way I eat. And I mean that in a super good way. I learned so much from the carb compatibility project and I have a handle on what I can what I know I can eat without feeling yucky and not being a crazy bitch when the clock strikes 5 p.m. I have an arsenal of good recipes that I make regularly. Not only that, though, I also feel more body positive and empowered. And I feel like your posts and general attitude have a lot to do with that. So thanks a lot. Oh, I know. That but was really nice. Super nice. Um, I appreciate that email for sure. And I also just, I like, so she did, this woman that wrote to me, uh, did the CARB program in October. So she's writing this five months later. And I just think that mm. speaks such volumes. Like, this is why I create the courses that I do. Like, you're going to learn the tools and build out the habits that you can carry with you for a long time. And that's why you do a program like this rather than spend like $400 on a month worth of shakes you know what I mean so I I love that that was months later I agree that that makes it like so much better um I have you seen do you get showtime no okay so there's um a new show called Black Monday and it's based in the 80s and it is so funny um and it's Don Cheadle and it's also the guy from Girls I can't think of her name, her like best friend, Hannah's best friend from Girls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's about like the stock market back in the 80s before the big crash. And he referenced Slim Fast. He was drinking a Slim Fast. <laughs> I was thinking like a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch, and a mm-hmm. sensible dinner. Yep. I was I, like, I absolutely drank Slim Fast when uh, I was like 
20 for 22. sure yeah for sure like, this is fine this feels right <laughs> yeah. it was it's like the um the isogenics of the 80s yeah oh my god yes i can't see can't wait to see what i remember working in like an office environment like go, having like a big cafeteria with like tons of different food and sitting down at the table with my slim fast and having my friend PJ call me out and be like, Oh, what's that, Kyle? You're drinking your slim fast? And I was so embarrassed. And I was like, I, I ate my I ate my lunch at my desk. It's just it's just like an extra. And I'm like, no, Kyle, you're just not eating. <laughs> like, yeah. Not so okay. don't don't drink slim fast anymore. Mm. Do my carb compatibility project instead. It starts <laughs> April eighth. Real food. Real food. Um, you will feel a lot better. And I want – so it starts April 8th. That's a Monday. I want to make sure everyone gets registered by April 5th. So don't sleep on that. Get yourself signed up. Or else it's just hectic trying to get yourself started. You feel like you're falling behind. Um, okay. So that was five months post-program. I have to read another email because this one is just really good. Um she writes in, it's been at least three years since I jumped in on your Fueled and Fit. I will always, always, always be grateful to you. I have continued to follow your wise advice, and guess what? My psoriatic arthritis has disappeared. I no longer have that fuzzy brain we blame on being a certain age. I sleep like a baby. I very rarely get sick, despite the fact that I work in an elementary school. My energy level is pretty darn good. My poor husband often asks me to just to slow down. That afternoon crash no longer happens, and as a bonus, 30 pounds fell off and has stayed away. Yes, I often get the sarcastic, oh, you can't eat this. And my response is always, I can eat whatever I want. All this being said, I just want you to know how much I truly admire and respect you. I just finished another three weeks of the program. My eating habits were just fine, but the glasses of wine were happening more often than I wanted, along with caffeine and slacking off on water. I'm happy to say I'm back on track. Wow. So awesome, right? Do you like tear up when you read these? Because that's incredible. I do. They definitely make my day. Um, but like more importantly, it just exemplifies the the staying power of these programs. And it's like, is it hard to, to take three weeks out of your life and make a change? Yeah, it kind of is. You know, you're you're shaking things up. You're, you're building new habits. None of it is easy. It all takes time and it takes effort. And I just think that there's a million different reasons that you can come up with for not doing one of my programs. But but start to think about where you're going to be in five months or three years from now. And are you going to regret not jumping on board? Like the answer is probably maybe, especially if you're not firing on all cil cylinders right now. So, And I love that she just is like able to like with your programs you have that information so like if you feel yourself yeah. kind of slipping off track you can just do it again on your own that's such a good point you have all of the the resources for life so exactly right you can just do it do a, your yeah. own iteration of that anytime three awesome. years later i know that's that was pretty crazy. cool all right so this this episode we're going to answer a listener question um about testing so carter burton writes in what are the top three lab tests one should look into if you just want to begin taking general inventory so I think that's an awesome question, and I think it's important to get this information out there. So we're going to just talk about a few different things, um, you know, labs that you could ask your general practitioner for, just your, your primary care doc. And then I'll go into more detail about what labs that, you know, the functional labs that I run in my practice and, and what to be on the lookout for that. So Kyle, do you want to start us off with some of your thoughts on testing? Yeah, I just went to... Um, such a great training. Uh, it was a weekend-long training in Atlanta for all functional lab work. And just to like start things off, kind of foundation here. So there's a difference between pathological ranges and functional ranges. So pathological ranges are what's used to diagnose. This is what we see when we get lab work done at Quest or a lab corp. Conventional medicine is using this because their objective is to diagnose, to treat, or to rule out disease. Um, in conventional medicine, the definition of health is the absence of disease. So they use the pathological ranges to diagnose. Um, functional ranges are used to assess your risk before something progresses to a disease. 
So for functional medicine, health is also defined as the absence of disease, but it's having adequate energy levels, a healthy digestion, an optimal functioning of your physical body too. Like it's, it's more than just you either have or don't have disease. Right. It's taking into to account the person and how they're feeling. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but because conventional medicine is is mostly focusing on the diagnosis and the treatment with disease and acute illness, it really doesn't leave much time for prevention. Um, and functional ranges aren't even taught or used when they're evaluating someone's health. It's just the pathological ranges. You're either within normal limits or you're not. But in the, order to- the way that I kind of describe it yeah. when I'm talking about this, I'm like, you're healthy, you're healthy, you're healthy, you're healthy, you're healthy disease. Like you just yeah. fall off the cliff. <laughs> there is no gray area. There, yep. or there's, there's no allowance for gray area of like, okay, we're starting to tiptoe towards maybe we should look at this. Yep. It's just like you're healthy one, you know, you know, one and then one point over you're diseased. Yeah. One, one year you're fine. The next year you're, you need a statin. It's just like, it's just, yeah. But in order for us to, you know, practice preventative care, you have to use the functional ranges. You can't just use the pathological. So this whole seminar was all on functional ranges and kind of what information you can, you can get from looking at those. Um, another difference between the pathological and functional is the actual size of the range. So a functional range is much smaller than the medical range. So for example, in conventional medicine, the a healthy triglycerides is anything less than 150, but a functional range is 75 to 100 because less than 75 is an issue greater than a hundred doesn't, it's not optimal just because it's still under the 150 doesn't mean that that's an optimal range. And I mean, I'm just taking triglycerides out of the context of the whole lipid panel, but even something like anemia, there's three different stages of iron deficiency anemia and multiple other kinds of anemia. So you don't have to wait for a diagnosis to notice trends and start interventions sooner. So that was, it was, it was a pretty interesting weekend. Definitely eye-opening. Dear Jessica, what is anemia? (laughs) (laughs) We joke with each other that I sometimes take harebrained questions to my mentor. It was, it's never been that bad, but it's been pretty close. (laughs) When you say gut, what do you mean? Um, okay. (laughs) So that all makes, that all makes good sense. Basically, if we want to, I like what you said, if we want to prevent, practice preventative medicine and use labs as data to practice preventative medicine, then we really need to be looking at those functional lab ranges. Yes. Do you have some examples of like what we could look for, for specific labs or? Okay. So, uh, I have... I have examples of like what I would kind of go with for best tests. Do you want to do you want to dive into all that? Yeah, do it. Okay, so comprehensive metabolic panel. So what this is, this is just like your basic lab work. Um, so like, let's say somebody was coming to you and they were like, "I just want to get like general inventory on what my body's doing. I feel pretty okay. I just want to see." Like where I stand, would this be a good place to start a comprehensive metabolic panel? I definitely think so because it's just kind of like your baseline functioning. It's going to tell you how your metabolism, kidneys, liver, your um, all of how all of that's functioning. Your electrolytes, your acid base balance, your glucose, your proteins. This is just gonna pick up any of like the heavy hitters: diabetes, liver issues, kidney issues. If somebody's having any side effects from any of the medications they're on, you're gonna want to look at just all of this to cover your bases. And then there's so much more within these labs, um, just that you can pick up on that will direct you into other underlying issues. It's far more than just you either have or don't have diabetes, liver disease, and kidney disease. Um, And then there's a CBC with differential. So this is going to look at anything that affects your blood, anemia, infection, inflammation, um, bleeding disorders, cancer. And the differential part, 
This looks at all the different kinds of white blood cells in your blood. And if one is higher than the other and out of proportion to the other. So you look at this because it helps um, diagnose like specific kinds of illnesses that are affecting your immune system. Or you can see if there's infection or inflammation or just really anything to have to do with the immune system. Or like even if there's like parasite or allergies oh yeah you know, like you'll yeah. see you'll see one of those numbers like peak or uh, yeah Im- totally increase. off yes yeah and then you know like okay this there's smoke here i need to i need to dig fur- further and figure out where this is coming from um a thyroid panel we talk about this ad nauseum it's never going to get old and this is what you have to um keep in mind is if you ask for a thyroid panel they'll usually do a tsh free t3 free t4 do you do you ever see erin anyone come back with more than that unless you request it or is it typically no it's usually tsh and free t4 just those two is what i tend to see yeah, so you're missing Everything. the <laughs> T3 uptake, reverse T3, T4, thyroid antibodies, um, circulating free thyroxin. So there's like a lot that you're missing. And as somebody that has had, uh, I had my half of my thyroid removed when I was like 16. So I've had, you know, hypothyroidism by by default since then. And for the longest time, they just look at my TSH. They kept upping my levothyroxine until it was like 100. And then, Whoa. yeah, I was getting really high up there. And I'm like, my hair is really falling out, guys. It's really <laughs> falling out. And he's like, no, it's just, we'll just up the levo. And then he's when like, I thought, buy a hat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scarves are really, really pretty this season. <laughs> um, and then when I finally went to the right doctor, my reverse T3 was like totally elevated. Had It took forever to get it down and that was all stress related. So you're just... Oh, you're, I didn't know your reverse T3 was high. Oh yeah. That like kept coming back. Do you remember high. how high it was? No, no. And then my biggest thing was um, my conversion. So it, it didn't yeah. have anything to do with TSH. It was a conversion issue. So if you're not doing the full panel, then you, you're you're not really able to target your interventions properly. So they were just like pumping you full of T4 and you couldn't yes. even convert it into T3. And just keep, exactly, because levothyroxine is all T4. And yeah. I, it was like, that wasn't what I needed. So it just was totally messing the mark. Um, another one is a full lipid panel. So this is usually gonna include total cholesterol, HDL, LDL, triglycerides. and. This can give you a pretty good picture, but depending on the results, a practitioner might want to see tests like a triglyceride HDL ratio, an LDL pattern size and density, because you don't want the small hard ones. You want like the big fluffy ones. Do you mean particle size? Particle size. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did I say pattern size? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is a new thing that I haven't heard of. (laughs) Yeah. You want the big fluffy guys. And, and that's, that's super important because somebody, you know, you're going to be told that your LDL is high and you need to know like more about which LDL, what kind of LDL it really is that is high. Is it, um, a concerning kind or is it not? Um, right. So you're not just like thrown on a statin for no good reason. Exactly. Exactly. Cause guess what? Statin, statins interrupt the body. Like any any pharmaceutical medication does, so it's not just this like benign thing. Right. I don't think I'm using that word appropriately, but you know what I mean. You I know, know what, what I mean. mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. What are some of the ones that you like? I mean, I feel like I I probably already probably know most of these. Yeah. Go go into it. Go into it. Oh, for functional testing. Yeah. What okay. Are, what are like your tests that you go to? So it definitely depends on the the person. And in fact, I've been getting this question a lot, so I'll just address it here. Um, This is typically how I work. Before our first session, I have a client fill out four different intake forms. And those intake forms combined with our first appointment, our initial assessment, the health history, all of that helps me determine what 
testing is is necessary, if any. And I also look at any recent labs that your your doctor has done. I, I bring bring those in as well. Um, so there's really no. I know a lot of people want to know what to expect walking into any given situation, but honestly, there's no real specific way to tell which which tests you need before we do that whole initial intake assessment. Um, and on top of that, people also want to know, are these the lab costs included in the price that is on my website, my membership fee? It's not. So, um, you know, there's definitely additional fees associated with functional lab costs. So just a heads up there. Um, and it's very, very individualized uh, based, based on what I'm seeing from people and what they're going through. So I don't run like a lot of, um, functional medicine practitioners will just run kind of a standard set of labs on every single client that walks through the door, which I totally get. It's like, let's see the data. Let's see what we're playing with. So we don't spend all this time throwing things against a wall to see what sticks. But, um, I try to be really respectful of finances and, and try to do the, the labs that, um, are most pressing and most necessary. So definitely thyroid panel. At this point, I'm 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 trying to get one on just about everybody. Honestly, that I see, um, it is tough. I do send people to their to their primary care docs. I I send I tell them specifically what markers I'm looking for. It rarely comes back. Um, so if I were to run. A, thi- a full thyroid panel with the values that Kyle was talking about. Um, that co- the cost associated with that is like eighty bucks, eighty to one hundred dollars cash pay. So it's not crazy expensive, um, but such important information for all the reasons that Kyle rattled off. I mean, it's. I mean, we talked. We've talked about thyroid a ton on the show lately, so I won't go into great details there. But I do like to see thyroid panel. Um, I like to. I or I see. I'll do a lot of adrenal function panels. So there's a couple of different ways to do this. One is through uh, testing uh, saliva. So uh, an adrenal panel is going to look at four points of cortisol throughout the course of the day. And this is different than getting a cortisol serum test because that's usually just get you're getting one blood draw, you're getting one one uh, cortisol reading throughout the course of the day, which doesn't really tell us much because we should have this really lovely curve for cortisol. Cortisol is our main stress hormone, and it should be high when we wake up because it gives us energy, the get up and go, and then it should slowly taper off throughout the course of the day. And as it lowers, melatonin starts to spike, and we go to sleep, and we stay asleep. And it's this really lovely system. For a number of different reasons, our circadian rhythm is all thrown off, and our cortisol levels are all thrown off. So to get a full full look at the thyroid, or excuse me, the adrenals, and what your cortisol is doing, you want to see those four points throughout the day. And then we're also looking at DHEA, which is another um, stress hormone. Um, another way to test adrenals is through a um, a Dutch test. So that's dried urinary. Do you know what that stands for? I always forget. Oof. It's, uh... it's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it called really the Dutch doesn't. test. Google and that, it. <laughs> and that's, that's looking at urine. And that's telling us, quite a bit more about cortisol and the different types of cortisol, but it's also looking at your sex hormones. Um, It's looking at your estrogens, your progesterones, all that good stuff. Um, So I would, if somebody's coming to me with um, wonky periods or I'm just trying to think of examples of like when I would order each test and it's kind of all over the map. Um, Well, that's, see, that's, I feel like somebody could start with the lab work that I said, because that, uh, you know, and combined with the comprehensive um, health history that we do, the symptom questionnaire, all of this is really enough to kind of direct us where to start digging more. And then we can say, you know, get a GI map done, get hormone testing done, get your adrenals tested. Like we can target kind of the specialty testing easier because we're spending the time hearing somebody's story, listening, you know, learning about all their symptoms, taking a full health history, and then just starting to just look at some baseline lab work. And then, you know, it really is individualized. That's that's a very very good point, and it's why that initial appointment is so is so important. Um, in order to the intake forms that we do are are very comprehensive, and the way that I explain it is like there's 
it, it, they kind of showcase any red flag. So there are certain things. I'll look at somebody's intake forms and things just jump off the page at me. I'm like, oh, this is where we need to start. Like mm -hmm. this is this person's smoking gun. Again, don't know if I'm using that right. I feel like you are. I feel All right. like, I mean, where there's where there's a fire, there's smoke kind of thing. Where there's the, the, right? <laughs> I don't think that's right, but <laughs> people get the general gist of what we're trying to say. The other thing that's good to note is like some of these specialty testing. Um, it's not just like a one and done. Sometimes you do it and then you have to do it again to make sure that the protocol that you're doing and the things that you're doing are are moving the needle in the right direction. So it another reason why it's it's impossible to tell someone like a financial quote because you just you just don't know. Yeah, and I talked about this on a recent show episode too, where it's like I won't if somebody gives me a, a, a like a cap. Uh, like a finance cap that that backs me into a corner so much that I'm like I actually I don't want to I don't want to agree to this because I don't I don't know if I can do the scope of my work given like those parameters set on me which right. is not to say you're gonna invest like five thousand dollars in this but you know I just can't make any promises and I will not enter into a situation where I'm forced to make those promises that I don't know I can keep. Um, and in, in terms of testing, so it's oh, like the joke is like the second test when you, when you, you, you know, you run a stool test, what's the most important test? The second test mm -hmm. to see if you've cleared stuff. But honestly, I don't really do a ton. So the, the, the stool test that I like to run and I run them on a lot of my clients. It's called a GI map. Um, it's different than other stool tests on the market because it's looking at DNA um, versus culture. And so it's a pretty sensitive marker for a lot of different things, critters that are living in your gut. And now that's a $425 test. So, you know, so oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll go based off of symptoms. So if somebody's like, you know, if we start some interventions and we give it a few months and somebody's like, I'm feeling so much better based on the protocol, I will sometimes use that as, you know, and I always give them the option, do you want to follow up to see, you know, do you want to do a second test to see what has cleared? Um, but I give them the option for that because sometimes if they're, if they're feeling better, they might not need to, you know, we always have to think about because these functional tests do come with a price tag and we have to like really evaluate, does it make sense to to spend the money? Which brings me to a big point. It is the test going to change the intervention? That's a big question that you have to ask because what is the point of investing 200 300 400 in a test if it's not going to change anything on the other side of it so i'm thinking specifically for myself i got a couple years ago i got my hormones tested because i was just feeling super weird and there was no intervention made so i i found out that my hormones were super wacky at that point my body thought it was pregnant <laughs> like it looked like my hormones looked like i was oh, pregnant wow. i was not pregnant but there was no there was no intervention there was no explanation explanation for why and there's also no intervention on the part of my practitioner so I'm like oh cool so like why did I just spend that money on a test to do absolutely nothing with that information you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah and it's also like such a snapshot so like I got the Dutch um this past summer because I had such bad you know post-birth control syndrome after being on the pill for the better part of 20 years and when I got my results back, it basically like I'm, I sh basically should have like started saving for dentures. <laughs> it was like nothing is happening. It was like like barrels of hay just through like a deserted field. I mean, it was it was it was bad. Um, but and it was just like it's just one snapshot in time. You can't, you know, freak out over it. It's just giving you information. Everything is just information. And then, you know, um, I honestly, I, I didn't really change that much after that. I just needed a little bit more time. And then like a few months later, it just kind of started naturally cycling back on its own. So that's the other part. Like you definitely want to make sure that you're working with a practitioner. Um, although I don't know that you can order these tests if you're not, but just, you know, try not to freak out. It's just a one snapshot and these things change. Yeah, and I think there are some programs where you can order a Dutch panel through, and I, I think you can actually get one yourself. I'm not. I would not recommend that. No, they are so overwhelming and 
confusing and tricky to read that I think I have a client who got so she she did a program where getting ordering a Dutch test was part of the program so she got all of her results back and again there was no intervention because she didn't have anyone holding her hand and explaining like this is what this means and this is what you should do about it oh so it's just like money down the toilet and Um, it's not cheap so I mean if all it's gonna do is send you into a tailspin I mean yeah, at that point, it's not necessarily something that you would need to retest. You just kind of notice, go by your symptoms. You know, I didn't need to retest the Dutch once I got my period back. Like, the, I, I got right. my period back. Right. That's a good point. Um, did you find that it seeing those results motivated you to make change? Uh, you know, I think I started spending a lot more like I think I thought a lot more about getting more sleep and really making sure that my circadian rhythms were were okay but I didn't change too much I mean I wasn't stressed out I wasn't um I was taking care of myself I was eating right I was exercising I was wasn't sleeping poorly so it really wasn't anything drastic but it it was hard it was really hard to see those results I mean as a 37 year old (laughs) divorcee I'm like oh cool so this this is what's happening okay um you know it was just it was it was tough but it all worked out I guess yeah you got your period back (laughs) I got my period back Stella got her groove back Um, oh boy well the reason that I bring that up is because I think and this is where like some self-auditing has to come in like you have to know yourself and know how you respond to things but I do think that seeing the data because labs don't lie right so seeing that hard and fast data can be can be the motivating factor for people so sometimes people aren't willing to make a change until they see things on paper paper and then they're like oh shit like I gotta do this um I'm thinking of a a former client of mine who she's a, a runner, like a, a very, um, I was going to say significant runner, but like she's like a serious runner. She runs races and all of that. And she just wasn't feeling well. And this was going on for a while. And she really, it was, it wasn't until she got adrenal testing and it showcased adrenal fatigue that she's like, okay, so now I have to change my life, right? Now I have to uh, manage, you know, like my running and manage my stress levels. And she travels a lot for work and all of that. She really had to take a, you know, to, to change things. And it was, it was the labs that kind of kicked, kicked her in the butt, so to speak. That can be helpful too when like you're trying to show someone that like stress is their underlying issue because we're so used to kind of operating on such like this high functioning frequency that it's hard for us to even see that we're doing too much but like when my all my thyroid labs were all screwed up I was still um I was very very stressed out at the time I mean I was planning a long distance wedding, a wedding that should have never, you know, really happened. I mean, it was it was not a, an easy time. And my doctor would ask me, you know, like, are you stressed out? And I'm like, well, you know, I have a lot going on. And but then my thyroid labs kept saying, no, you're you're stressed. Like my inflammation labs were all high. And that can sometimes really, like you said, be the motivating factor for somebody to be like, okay, I the story that I'm telling myself isn't isn't accurate. Like I need to change something with my lifestyle because the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, I think that's a huge point, um, especially just we women become so accustomed to just being stressed all the time that it's like our baseline. And, you know, I always, always say that it's stress isn't is, – is, it's a, an objective, no subjective, objective. Oh no, we always get those two mixed up. Yeah, no, I'm, help, help me. <laughs> um, it is a objective, measurable set of physiological happenings that are going on inside your body. It's not based on what you're feeling. So you can be stressed, like that. Your 
your body can be under stress. It can be in a stress response and you can have no awareness of its presence. And so the what the labs, you know, certain labs can reveal is like, yeah, actually your body is stressed despite what you think and despite what you feel, your body is stressed and this is the these are the fallouts. Yeah, just because you don't look at the ca- like the Kathy comic and <laughs> you're still like getting everything on your to-do list done doesn't mean that your body is still isn't like, "Oh my god, woman, slow down." and the uh Megan talked a little bit about adaptogens and like adaptogens are just like all the rage right now and everybody's talking about adaptogens blah 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 blah. and it's not as like somebody's like oh I'm under stress I'll take an adaptogen it's not it's it's not a pill for every ill it's like you know this this is gonna require I think that's maybe the downside or the scary part of like seeing the data is like you are forced to to make some changes you know and it's not as simple as taking some ashwagandha it's like a restructuring of your life or creating boundaries and learning to say no and all that good stuff totally the client always does like the heavy lifting like we we can like guide you and and support you but you're gonna have to be the one that changes your lifestyle changes your habits and that's it's it's hard it's not just a pill yeah, yeah. That's why I don't I'm not like really jiving with the word empower when it comes to wellness. It's like that exact reason because empower means that I have the power and I give it to you or I have the authority and then I hand it over to you. And so for me to say I empower women, it's like no I don't. I just remind you that you have all the power. Like you have it, you act on it, you do the damn thing. The magic is inside of you. The change happens with you. I'm just giving you the tools to remember that. Like, you know, it's not me empowering you. Like you're you're already empowered. You just gotta remember it. Right. Um, the other thing that I wanna say, and you kind of touched upon this, um, so let's circle back around because I think it's important. But it's not just about the lab. The lab. So you can get all of these labs. You can get the Rasmatazi functional lab testing and spend all the money. Um, and you or you could do like the the test Kyle were talking about. But it, you have to have somebody to interpret those labs and understand those labs. Like that's a really important thing. Um, I remember I wanted it. This is maybe a year or two ago. I wanted to run a GI map test on somebody but at that point I didn't have a uh an account so I sent the her back to her she was working with an osteopath and sent the the girl back to her the osteopath to to get the test ordered and her doctor reached out to me and was like I have I'll order the test but I have absolutely no understanding of how to interpret this and I was like cool I got your back like you would do the ordering I'll do the interpretation we'll make a great team Um, and I think that's so important unfortunately that communication that collaboration doesn't happen happen often with practitioners Um, and so what people will just be like if you request a certain lab some doctors will be like I won't even rub that lab or um, I don't know maybe a, a, a physician would run it like an under somebody that's not experienced with reading the lab would run it for you and then not really do much. So it comes back to that intervention thing. So somebody has to be able to interpret the lab and also understand how to run intervention. And you also want to question your practitioner. So if let's say they're doing a stool test and their treatment protocol for every single thing they find on a stool test is going to be the same, then save your money because what's the point of of doing the stool test if they're going to throw the same treatment plan at you, which is not a good approach by the by. Um, but if they're just do, running through something like a 5R protocol, you don't need a stool you don't need to spend $400 on a stool test in order to do that. Right. Does that make sense? I love what you said about the communication this like this is kind of my big problem that I see is that we use conventional medicine in hospitals and that's really where people are going for you know their PCP and then we have functional medicine practitioners typically working outside of the hospital setting trying to fix the underlying issues working to get people off their medications whenever possible because they're addressing the underlying issues they're not just treating the symptoms but here's the thing we can't go without either of them they're both important they're both essential they both have a seat at the table but the problem is we're we're having to choose between conventional or functional instead of them working together to give us the comprehensive approach that we all want where everyone on our healthcare team is doing what they do best using the toolkits that they're used to working with 
And the biggest issue I see is this lack of continuity of care. The amount of time that doctors are spent um, seeing patients in the hospital and offices, like the amount of people that they have to see is insane. Unless you're working at a hospital where they're capping that, it, it can get really unmanageable. So that's really a difficult environment. And then you have the average time spent with your PCP is only eight minutes. So it's just not a lot of time to do to to provide comprehensive care. And what I wish was happening was that the ones that were doing, you know, that we were seeing first were the ones doing the comprehensive assessment. And then based on their findings, they referred you out to everyone who could focus on the area that's their specialty, to the diet, the movement, the stress management, the additional testing. But people aren't working together. It's just a lot of functional medicine people saying conventional is bad and conventional people saying, you know, functional medicine is, is BS. And it's just, it's so frustrating because it's just like what we say about diets. Like there is no right one way or one person that can do everything for you. So the idea that our PCPs aren't the ones using those functional ranges and looking at our risk and catching things before we have, you know, our next eight minute annual visit where they're like, this is your lab work. This is the drug that now I want to put you on indefinitely is just, it's crazy to me. And the diet lifestyle changes, the non-pharmaceutical therapies, this stuff's going to be beneficial at any point, whether it's prevention, whether you're using it to manage or reverse any dysfunction that's already present. But the conventional docs aren't even trained in this stuff. And they're trained to save your life, which takes years and years of training. But if they're on the front lines, they should be using this stuff. And instead, we hear we hear things like eat less, exercise more, or, eat less fat because your cholesterol is high, or eat more meat because you're a little anemic. And I just feel like, wouldn't you rather go to somebody who can catch things before they become worse and your symptoms become worse and it's even harder to gain control over the situation? Like, why are we, why are we using... Why are we waiting for a diagnosis when the lab work that we're running can already tell us where where the smoke is before it becomes this, you know, crazy fire? Oh, I have one more thing that I wanted to say. I went on the CDC. I don't know why I decided to do this, um, but I went on the CDC and I wrote this down and 90% of the nation's 33 trillion dollar annual budget for healthcare is spent on chronic and mental health conditions. Yet we are prescribing more and more psychiatric drugs and pharmaceuticals every year. So clearly that is not the solution. Like we're missing something in the system. Yikes. That is a scary stat. Isn't that crazy? I mean, $3.3 trillion and 90% of that is for stuff that like these standard treatments, it's just kind of like, it's just, we're just spinning our wheels. Like why aren't, why aren't our practitioners and our doctors working together to say, you know, the conventional doctor is in the hospital saving your life, but the functional medicine doctor is going to be able to get to all the underlying issues, but no one is referring to each other. I mean, it's not, one is inside health insurance system. The other's working outside. Like the whole thing is just so disjointed. And I think it's not just, you know, those, those two cohorts that need to, um, that totally. work together, but it's also, it's also us. It's our, it's individuals, right? We have to, take some responsibility for our health. And if we're feeling symptoms or if we're feeling unwell, like, listen, you're the expert on your body. You're the only one that knows your normal. You're the best gauge for if something goes off. So you need to use that. It's back to you have the power. You need to utilize that. I know we're very out of touch with our bodies. Listen up. It's time to get back in touch because your health literally depends on it. So you, if you feel something, you have to speak up. If no one's willing to listen, you keep going. You keep going. You keep going until somebody listens. But we have to take some responsibility, right? We it, 
our health is our responsibility. It is not a, your doctor's responsibility. It is not your nutritionist's responsibility. It's nobody's responsibility but yourself. And sometimes that can feel a little bit harsh or that can feel a little bit scary. But remember that responsibility is simply the ability to respond, right? So respond to yourself. If you notice something is off, respond to that. If you get lab work done and you're doing these preventative, you know, maintenance labs, and you see something's off, like doctors should be responding to that, right? Respond, respond, respond before it's too late, before you get the the diagnosis. And I just see it happen so much. And, you know, I don't want to go on like this crazy diatribe about the, the, the modern American woman, but holy shit, the modern American woman, you know, is spinning herself out. And the only thing that takes her down is a diagnosis, you know, like don't wait till it gets to that point. Move your body, eat well, take care of yourself, set boundaries, say no to other people, like take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody else is going to create the time. I know you're busy, right? I know you're busy. I know you don't have the time. Freaking make the time. Nobody's going to hand that shit to you on a silver platter. Make the time. Make yourself a priority. Carve out the time in your life. Do it. Take care of yourself. We can't keep we can't keep living like this. We cannot keep doing that. We have to, you know, we do have to talk about healthcare. We do have to talk about doctors. We do have to talk about the fact that we're not being listened to. But we also have to take some responsibility for ourselves too. Yeah. Oh, all of that was so good. And like, you know, just having the having the confidence to not take what somebody is telling you for an answer if it's not enough for you, like. Like if your doctor isn't listening to you, that is a service that they are providing you. So maybe you have to pay more than your copay with your insurance, but wouldn't you rather, you know, skip your vacation and put that money towards actually, you know, making long-term changes with your help and going and seeing the right practitioner than to keep staying within your, you know, in network benefits that is isn't really giving you any answers i mean like you you just have to trust your gut trust your exactly like what you said you know you know how you want to feel in your body and how you felt before and if you're not getting answers i remember bringing ziploc bags of clumps of hair to my doctor to my dermatologist and they wouldn't give me the time of day. They said, well, yeah, no, that's that's pretty standard. And I kept saying them, but that's not for me. That is not for me. This is not my normal. And they just kept comparing me to some kind of like textbook normal. I mean, and I had to go outside of the system. I had to pay the money, but I never would have gotten gotten anywhere if I just kept worrying about who was in network and not giving me any answers. Yeah, you know, the the finance piece, the money piece, the insurance piece is really tricky because it, we spend money on what we value. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we don't really value health in this in this country. And, you know, some people might disagree with that. But hey, you're, you know, we're spending trillions upon trillions of dollars on chronic illness, right? So, we, you know, I, I, you know, people will say, or get, we've done a whole episode on healthy eating, or excuse me, budgeting, right, for healthy food. People will say organic food is too expensive, but they'll go and you know, spend a ton of money on like getting their hair nails done, right? They have like $300 fry boots or, you know, and I'm not, this is not me judging, like it, it, your money is yours to do whatever you want with, but it's just interesting how we value things and where it's interesting. I mean, just stop for a second. The next time you say, you hear yourself saying, I can't afford X, Y, Z, and just really think about like, what do you value? Where are you spending your money? You know, like, do you have an iPhone? Do you, you know, like, you do, do you have an, you know, an Apple watch? Like, where are you spending your money when, when you're saying, I can't afford to do the things that I know I need to do to take care of myself? Where are you spending your money? Um, and that might sound a little harsh and a little judgmental, and I really don't I don't mean it to be that way. So I'm sorry if it's coming across that way, but it's just it's just an interesting thing that I've that I've that I've noticed um, kind of lately. You know, it's like yeah, the money thing is really tough. It's a and, tough one, you know. But not everything has to be done all at once. You know, the point is just that you're starting to take control over what was yours all along, and that's your body and your health. Um, and you don't have to do everything all at once. It might be really slow going and you do things according to what you can afford to do. But, 
you know, just that you're doing something. And I think that it makes sense, you know, that's what's so great about working with a practitioner that you have a good relationship with because they can help you determine that. They can help you steer you in the direction of like where your your money, where's your dollars best spent right now in this, you know, in this phase of of your healing or your life. Yeah, I remember my my supplements were just getting to be really expensive and I I reached out to my functional medicine doc and was just like, "Look, I I can't I can't afford this." And she spent all this time figuring out like other alternatives and, you know, different ways that she could combine supplements um, and and made it a lot more affordable for me. So it's you have to have that relationship with somebody where you're going to be able to say to them, I, I appreciate the the recommendations that you're making, but I can't actually sustain this. And then they can adjust things. You know, they're the, your practitioner can say, okay, what are the most important ones? Let's start there. You know, what can I combine? What, what can we hold off on? What can we use, you know, focus using food more instead of the supplement, you know, like maybe you can't afford the fish oil. So we just up your fish intake. I mean, there's so many, there's so many different like ways that you can get around it, but you need to have that trust with your practitioner to be able to to explain these obstacles so that you guys can work through them together yeah for sure for sure and i think you know one last thing i'll say about the supplement thing is that i the way that i sometimes will explain it especially when finances are a concern and like how are they you know they're a concern for all of us um sometimes we need to take supplements to pull ourselves out of a hole, right? Sometimes we, like if if we have had an ongoing issue and we have found some things on through lab testing, sometimes we do need to pull in some, um, you know, to supplemental intervention to make you feel better. Um, and sometimes that, that does require a chunk of change up front, but there always should be a plan in place for like what, you know, what are you going to do long-term? Like Kyle, you were on, you were taking like so many, you know, like we were just talking about this recently, you were taking so many things that were getting to be so expensive. You're like, I just can't do this indefinitely. Like what's the, right. what's the out plan here? Right. Uh, cool. Do you have anything else to say? I don't think so. All right. So those are some labs. <laughs> those are some labs. That'll... In there. You, you know, might have to re-listen again. Get a, get a pen. Get ready to pause. It's in there. It's in there. It is in there. So those are some of the labs that we like, the places to start, and a lot of our thoughts about things. <laughs> hey, guys. If uh, you like this show, be sure to tell a friend. Yeah. Yeah, do it. Do it. Do leave it. leave a review on iTunes. Give us some five stars if you deem us worthy. And even uh, leave a written review. That's super helpful for us. Yeah. Makes our day. Thank you. And good night. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you.